We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. My name is Jari Bolander. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. On this podcast, we're going to take a deep dive into the traits, values, beliefs, and skills of all sorts of entrepreneurs to learn how to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient world. Let's get started. Priyanka Vazirani, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me here. Did I get it almost right? Pretty well. (laughs) Pretty well. Pretty well. That is my only job. The rest of this job is easy. You're the co-founder of Volve, which is a... Nine second articles for, from our smart but chaotically busy generation using ChatGPT, which of course everything's ChatGPT nowadays. But what I think is really fascinating about what you guys are doing is this whole like nine second intention span, which I have a short attention span as well. You have a, you know, another founder that we want to talk about because I always love hearing how co-founders come together and build things. But before we do that, as I always like to say, my first question is tell us how you got to do what you're doing today. So the funny thing is it's been a very long journey and a very non-linear journey. I was in finance, business school, and like any other business school student, you know, you have like blinders on thinking like accounting, finance, the typical jobs, at least back like before the whole tech boom. And so went in the finance track and then my friend, I mean, Shannon, She and I have been best friends since high school. We go back a long way and we just happened to be talking one day. And at the time she was doing law and consulting and we just started talking about like, you know, big picture plans, what we really want to do in life. And it all just came down to like, you know, making an impact, doing something really different. And so at the time we started this different social startup called Benefactory. It was basically a tech platform which would kind of initiate a collective movement. So if there was any kind of like urgent crisis, you know, people would just like hit on one button and just donate. And so there was no like waste of time, no time planning. It was just immediate action. And we had great campaigns in India and in the US. And one of the campaigns in the US is actually kind of what led us towards media. It came to a point where because of what was said in the media, a lot of people weren't, you know, willing to participate in our campaign. They called the migrants like rapists, opportunists, don't let them into the country. And everybody was very skeptical of joining the campaign, all the companies, all the nonprofits. And so we literally just cold emailed a bunch of celebrities saying, hey, can you help us, you know, spread the word? 
And luckily, like Kerry Washington, Ilana Glazer, they all jumped in, spoke about it on Instagram and the conversation changed. And that's when I realized like the power of, you know, celebrities saying something on social media versus like traditional news, which, you know, now with that TikTok brain, nobody has the attention span to read long articles. And at the same time, there's just so much chaos. Like you have to go through Instagram, TikTok, newsletters, Twitter, everything just to be updated. And so for us, we just wanted like one place where you can have all of the content 10 times faster, where you can just scroll through without feeling guilty. And that's all for you. So we captured the zeitgeist of our entire generation without letting you get sucked into the social media vortex. And so is it, I think it, on your website, it says it's basically made for Gen Z or that's the targets Gen Z or how's the... It's actually, the funny thing is Gen Z and millennials both love it. But then we also have these like, you know, different people, like this one user interview, he emailed me and he sounded really enthusiastic about the product. And I was like, okay, let's get on a call. And it turned out to be a 90 year old person, yeah. his entire life in media. Oh, wow. He was talking about how helpful it was for him. And I was actually amazed. But the thing is, it's really helpful for people who are not on social media to understand our generation, understand the trend. Because when you're having a digital detox or when you are just really frustrated with, you know, having to keep up with all these different platforms, you just want that one place where you can get all of that information. And that's literally so younger people, people who are really busy, millennial moms, like, you know, startup founders, investors, everybody. Those are pretty much like our target audience. And then obviously the older generation is just trying to understand what is this generation all about? And even they get a lot of information through Valve. So it's really interesting. Yeah, I, I always find it fascinating about Gen Z because for whatever reason, they like 80s movies. You know, that's like a big thing. The it's 80s more are... nostalgic factor. Yeah, I think so. Because I'm Gen X, right? So I hate both millennials and boomers. <laughs> Equally, I think they're all a bunch of lunatics. And so I think Gen Z. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm being facetious, but like the Gen Z seems to resonate with when culture. So I think I think what the wide nostalgia resonates for the 80s and 90s, you know, it was probably someone someone had told me around 1995 where culture stopped being generated by the people and stopped and started being generated with mass media. And, and I don't know if it's 95 or 2000, but there was some like post grunge type of thing and everything started to become a little more like, I wouldn't say vanilla, but just more manufactured. This was actually from a guy who wrote a book about what I learned from the eighties. He's my, he's like a year older than me. Right. So from my, find, sorry, no, go ahead. From my understanding, it's more about like the nostalgic factor when life was more simple. So that's why Gen Z is like gravitating towards, you know, Polaroid cameras and like flip phones and all of these different things because life back then was simple. And so right now there's so much like, you know, pressure of being on like TikTok and like having a following and like being virtually everywhere that that life just seems simpler. Right. And so that's why they go towards that kind of aesthetic, that kind of like, you know, Messy, messy aesthetic, simpler things. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think it was also what he said. This is funny because he, so he wrote a book. His name is Chris Choose. Wrote a book, What I've Learned from the 80s. Does keynotes. People pay him to talk about this. That's Clearly, awesome. my generation like resonates, right? Because we grew up with this stuff. 
But I said, hey, man, like, what about these other gym, these younger folk? Like, what do they think? And they're like, oh, yeah, they come up to me all the time. And they're like, yeah, it was so cool. I really loved these movies because they seemed real, not manufactured. And they were like messy. And like there was hard problems, you know, hard things to solve, everything. You know, it wasn't always rainbows and unicorns and stuff like that. And I'm all, well, interesting. So I, I'm curious, you know, when you're, when you're on the platform and, you know, you're digesting all of this media and information, are there any particular topics or trends that are of interest to people? I mean, you know, what, what are people really interested in and getting that, you know, kind of snapshot of? So from like earlier, we just put out like, you know, straight up serious news content. And I remember at this one point when I was literally trying anything to get feedback, I even emailed like Mark Cuban for feedback. And I was like, hey, you should know this app. He responded. So that was great. But he literally responded saying, this sounds too serious. It looks like AP News make it younger, right? And so from that point on, we started including a lot of social media content, a lot of content that, you know, allows people to get a grip of everything, get a grip of the discourse without actively being out there and, you know, going through cyberspace to get a few sounds of signal, right? So that's when we started integrating social media and like, you know, hype, hype trends and like internet culture and different things. So the way we categorize the content on Volve is more like what you should know. So breaking news, Russia, war, COVID, stuff like that, important major news things. And at the same time, we also include a lot of things that you'd like to know, right? So the younger stuff, the more fun stuff, like what are people taking a dig at? Like what's going viral? Like what's the latest hype trend that you should be, you know, in the know of? So it's a mixture of these two things, but we've noticed that at least from our users, like reading habits, interesting digs, like, you know, just interesting things that are happening around the world and why it is the way it is. Those kind of stories and internet culture do really well. Hmm. Yeah. I'm trying to, my, I have a fiance now, as most people know, and she's got a daughter who's 14. So Gen Z, like in the crosshairs, right? And I'm, I'm just trying, I'm trying to think like what interests her other than reruns, 80s movies that we watch on DVDs, which is crazy, right? And old TV shows. But yeah, it's like the pop culture, like who's dating who kind of thing, you know? It's almost, I mean, it's like a distraction, but yet fun as opposed yeah. to the ser seriousness of the world. But I, I do think it is interesting that you do need to kind of know what's going on in the world. I mean, it's not, you know, and it's not always rainbows and unicorns. Yeah, but that's the whole point, right? Like you, got, you, you have to balance both because mm -hmm. if it's just too serious, it also makes you feel stressed. And after a yeah. point, you're just like, I don't want to look at the news. It's too much. It's yeah. over. But when you bla balance it out, it's like, okay, there's war going on, but there's something, you know, that's more lighthearted and people are like doing something that's more you know, fun and like, you know, something else. And then you just have a better experience. And so you have a little bit of a dopamine hit, which gets you back again and again. So right. you have a bit of both. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. You mentioned that you, you went to high school with your co-founder? Yeah, high school. <laughs> wow. That was very rare that I hear of anyone meeting their co-founder in high school. But I mean, back then we were just like great friends. We had no idea we'd be working together. But... Wow. We just come whole, you know, full circle. And I think it's a great part because typically what I've seen from like other startup founders is that you're looking for someone to, you know, balance your strengths and weaknesses. But at the same time, like somebody who will definitely be there with you like 100% of the time. 
And so it's really hard to find that trust and in a stranger, right? But then when you're working with a friend, it's, you automatically have that trust. You automatically have that dependence. So you don't have to be worried about that. And that's a great thing in a, in a startup when you already have so much to worry about. Like you're literally on a roller coaster on a daily basis where one day you're like yeah. flying high, like everything is yeah. going. And the next minute you're just like crouching down. Yeah, the world's going to end. Screaming. Yeah. But the thing is you're strapped. Oh, and then you both have to keep going, right? So yeah, yeah, it's a startup. Yeah. No, it's just funny because I have a bunch of friends start up and then we do endurance events and stuff. And every time we're like gonna about to do an endurance event or something like that, they're like, oh yeah, what about this one? And everyone's like, looks horrible. Where do I sign up? You know, because it's like you're in it to win it together. Yeah. yeah I, I find it fascinating that, you know, the whole friend idea, because, you know, it is important, obviously from a co-founder perspective, we, we actually do talk a lot about co-founders and why it's important to have ones that complement you, that you get along with, you have a shared vision. You know, most startups, the top three reasons why a startup fails is I ran out of money. No one wants to buy my product and I'm fighting with my co-founder, you know? So it's good to have that relationship and sort of build on the already, you know, like trust. I think the word you used was trust inherent in there. I mean, it's just fascinating that start off in high school and then go on your merry way and then come back together for something like, well, I mean, it's, I, I don't know, it, did, did, did you guys... What were you interested? What were you interested in in high school? Was it just was it business or? I mean, you said you you know you went to grad school. You're going to do the finance track. I'm sure it's like yeah, go to business school, yay! But probably not much of an interest back then. Or you know, is your uh, entrepreneurs or how, how yeah, yeah, I come from a family full of entrepreneurs. Oh, okay. One literally everything from nothing, and then even my brother, he has his own startup. He's making. He's working on. So the really? first, like electric vehicle from India and cool. uh, yeah, like awesome. a lot of my family members also have their own startup. So I feel like that just motivated me. It's just like, you know, you just go out, do your thing. It's going to be hard, but just get through it and work out. So it's more about like that faith and that confidence just keep going. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Wow. So family of entrepreneurs, is Shannon's family entrepreneurial or is it? Different background. They come from more, more from the professional background. Okay, cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Cause I mean, my own journey is, you know, my dad worked for a big company his whole career. He thought it was crazy that I would do these startup things. So I'm always fascinated to see what was the spark that just said, oh yeah, I don't, corporate coffee sucks. I'm out of here. <laughs> oh, this whole finance, like accounting. Oh, this seems like fun. Let's watch paint dry. No offense to accountants. We need them, but still yeah. not, not, not me, but I'm sure, you know, also having an MBA, I kind of, it's like, oh yeah, you, you know, it's your traditional route, right? Exactly. It's I mean, always... it's safer. You yes. know what you're doing. You know what path is in front of you, like 100% of the time. And I was in corporate too, but then there was a part of me doing finance and I was like, do I want to do this the rest of my life? You know, when you see people around you who've been there for like 20, 30 years and you're like, yeah. do I picture myself like that? And then for yeah. me, I was like, I love finance. I love economics, but. Maybe not the focus of my career, you know? And so I still like to invest in stocks and stuff. And that's different, but different journey. Yeah. yeah, I remember my experience like that. I was at some company and there was this one guy, engineer. I did have an engineering degree. Mostly I did engineering. There's this one guy and he's like in a corner. It's the guy that does this thing. He is the yeah. expert at the company, you know? And you're like, huh. So exactly. do I want to be that guy? Like, no, I don't really want, cause you know, like I wasn't that great an engineer. I was okay. It's fun, but 
it's just much more interesting to build new stuff, you know? I, mean, I agree. I mean, and you, then you, sorry, when people are like validating your work and like, you know, using your product and like getting excited by it, it's just like so much validation and so much happiness. Yeah, it must have been like just so, I mean, do you guys have a technical background? I mean, I'm assuming you had to have someone help you build all this or? We actually have somebody on, we have some developers on our team to help us build it. Cool. Because I know some, a lot of times that's one of the major, like when I talk to pretty much lots of entrepreneurs, it's like, okay, one, I'm either technical, right? I'm like, I got to solve this problem. There's got to be a tool, right? There's 10,000 MarTech tools. We don't need more MarTech tools, right? And then second, I'm a business person or I'm a VC or whatever. And I, I'm the money, I'm the money person or the sales person. So it's just, it's just, how was it like sourcing the development? Because a lot, I get this question a lot because a lot of non quote unquote technical founders have this challenge. Like, how do you build it? Because, you know, just the little things I've looked at, it's very well done, looks good, very clean. You know, it just, it just has a vibe to it, you know? I mean, both of us care a lot about branding and product. So for us, user experience was key. The aesthetic was key. The branding was key. And then when you have something that's very like, you know, thought through, it's like, this is exactly what I want. And then you can have somebody build it like that. That's fine. But that's only like one step of like the hundred steps, right? Like you have somebody create the product but then at the same time it's it's like a it's like a tech platform but a media product too right so our product is technically our content that goes on 24 7 and so if you don't like the product one day it's because of the content so we always have to be on the move with the content as well so i feel like the tech is like one side of things but there's just so much more to it and i feel like you just need to be very clear in terms of like what exactly you need to build and then have that like have somebody else do that for you that's fine how do you come up with the content that's on there? How's the, how does the, you know, AI chat GPT work in? Yeah, I'm assuming, well, I don't know. I mean, someone's got to like point it at, okay, this feed, that feed. Or, yeah, yeah, definitely. Is there like a curator or you, do you guys curate it somehow? Yeah. So we have a few people on our team who are literally, you know, we have a dashboard, tells us what's trending, not just in the news, but also on social media. And so we also have like a few people on the editorial team who are like actually you know, judging what's important, what's interesting enough. And then obviously we use ChatGPT in terms of like summarization. So ChatGPT bought like a bunch of different things, also like our own level of AI to make things very easy and to facilitate like, you know, how fast it goes through. So yeah, so after the dashboard curating, then we have the summarization and then it goes live. It's a continuous process. And you said it's 24-7, so are there literally people work out of 24 seven or hours actually we have like 16 hours of content oh on our, wow yeah there are a few hours where everything's silent but we have everything like scheduled so there's content going out even say on the weekend we have a lot of like non-time sensitive going out like that's just scheduled because nobody wants to work weekends i don't want to work weekends and sometimes you know in this breaking news show we'll get on and like cover it and send it out but like we need a break too we're a small team we can't handle everything so we're not going to be sitting out there waiting for breaking news so we schedule content ahead of time for the weekend yeah 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 no i mean like because the media business quote unquote is tough i mean it's usually like lowest common denominator people want it for free etc like i mean reason I know this is we deal with a lot of tech media, like where my day job, tech media companies that are basically lead gen or, or whatever B2B thing someone's selling. And 
just the media part of it is like content, creating good content, distribution of good content, getting your thing out there, as you know, it's just so problematic. And it's like a, it's like a hamster wheel rat race. Just, it must but, be just a constant thing. Yeah. But the thing is like right now, every person, every startup is a media company themselves, right? Like you oh, have point. to be your own media company. And so when you have so much content dispersed from like so many different, you know, places, where do you go to find that content and how do you publish that content for, you know, a group of people that's beyond your friends and family? Like you start a newsletter today, you start a podcast today. What are you going to do? Your first step is like, tell your friends and family. And then yeah. what? Yeah, yeah, then yeah, yeah. people get on Twitter and scream like, hey, subscribe or like read my newsletter, right? Read my newsletter. But for us, the way we imagine it is that every second person has a newsletter today. And yeah. it has one place where you can, where you as a reader can digest all of that information, right? So on board, what we're trying to do is like, not just breaking news, not just like, the standard typical traditional media but it has to be all of you guys like all of the the newsletter writers the podcasters like the non-video creators of the world who have a place to like disperse their content and distribute that content in front of a whole new audience without doing additional work yeah 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 we already have an audience and so for for like anybody like a newsletter writer we discover something summarize it and then link out to your newsletter so we're not taking away from you in fact we're like complimenting all of the creators out there so if anybody comes across your content they like it they click on it they can subscribe they can read your entire newsletter go through the ads go through everything so you still win it's more like a win situation for both yeah you're like a different distribution channel it seems like it's it's all the distribution channels out there you know i mean even for a podcast like this right it's like there's how many dozen different places to, to look your feet up or whatever it's 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 just i mean it's interesting because there's like media now there's long form media where people can actually have a conversation like what we're doing right now right it evolves it builds up we talk we explore you know there's great show breaking points i don't know if you've heard of that but they they're great for media like the news like i, I subscribe but i just can't sometimes watch it because i'm just like uh yet another war you know like come on give me yeah. something better but it's very thoughtful and long form. There's the short form TikTok and all that where you sort of get the, the don't, what you said, dopamine hit, quick dopamine hit. I'm just, it, I, I don't know which one's better. I don't think there's a better. I think there's just a modality of how they all span. And I'm just curious how you see it because obviously you're short form content, but do you also have like statistics on like, oh, well, more people clicked onto that to read more as an example. Yeah, of course. So for us, like we completely understand that long form still needs to exist. Like, yes, if I want to dive into something, I need to read the entire newsletter. But the first degree is like, I need to find that thing first. So discoverability is important. And at the same time, like, give me a little glimpse of what's in the newsletter before I commit the next 10 minutes reading the entire thing. So that's our main USP. And that's like our literal, like, you know, it's for... For you to browse, explore, discover different things. And then if you like it, you jump in, you dive deeper, click on the newsletter, click on the article, click on the podcast, you know, read the entire thing, hear the entire thing. But for you to get instant visibility and for people to just be like, okay, do I want to spend the next 10 minutes? Yes or no? That's the decision making. And uh, yeah, I think even in terms of like, like you just questioned, you know, how many people actually get to the longer part? 50% of our users of our daily active users click on at least one 
check it out. Oh. So it's like, check out the newsletter, check out the article, check out the whatever. So it is important, but initially you just want to scroll through like, okay, social media. Okay, fine. Pop culture. Okay. Internet culture. Okay. Whoa. Okay. This. Okay. That. But like, and then you dive in deeper based on whatever you're interested in. It's almost like try before you buy, you know, like basically. <laughs> yeah. Well, in, in, I think you're right. There's so much out there. It's hard to like, where do I go? You know, there's, I don't know how many half a dozen newsletters that I get read sometimes. Sometimes I don't. And it's in your email and that's exactly like cluttering it even more, right? Like, especially for like the younger generation, you're on your email, you're at work, right? When you're done with work, I literally just want to like close my laptop, get on the couch and like get on my phone. Like it's more calming, relaxing, right? So I rather scroll through things instead of like, okay, now let me open my email and go for a newsletter. Wow. I think that's different. And uh, even to the point of like non-video creators, right? So... If you are a video creator, you'll obviously go on like YouTube and TikTok and stuff like that. Great platform for you to get discovered and go viral. Today, you're a nobody. You push out great content on TikTok. You will get followers eventually. That's like everybody's dream. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. yeah. There's so many people who are camera shy, who don't like to put their face out there, who do not want to do any dances, who just want to be like, okay, I'm smart. Read my content and that's it. I'm not going to do anything more in front of you, right? So we fall into that bracket. Like, I don't have a TikTok. I'm never on videos being like, hey, guys, like, that's just not me. Yeah, I mean. No, this just makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I think I told you before we started recording, this will probably be the third video episode I've done after 230 podcasts, precisely because I'm like, oh, I really got to be on video. Exactly. So it's just another way to be discovered for like all non-video creators without having to put yourself out there which when you don't want to, and it's fine. Yeah, and I, yeah, no, that's a good point. I never thought about it that way because I'm like, even when I'm not working, I'm in my email. Like, I, it sounds sad, but I basically run my, I, my life and my work world through email. So for me, scrolling and reading, the, I, that's what I just do. I don't, I, I'm not a big app person. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, maybe I'll, maybe, well, I, I full, full disclosure, everyone, I haven't downloaded Evolve yet. I'm going to, I'm going to, play around with it so i always like to try stuff out but as usual i'm distracted and too busy we need it more than i what care to admit exactly nine seconds that's all it takes yeah nine seconds how how does the how, how do you split between shannon and yourself like running the company is there, are you guys naturally like run it together i mean both have different skill set i mean you know we talked about like complementary skill sets are important trust and everything i'm just curious how you you know how you organize the company and, and kind of run it. we're both technically like close a year but in terms of like how we distribute like work it's more about like tasks and like different things so one person does like growth one person does social media one person does you know like sales and different things so it's more like divide and conquer and that front but in terms of like big decisions obviously we both are involved in terms of like you know the vision the product and the great thing about us, Touchwood, is the fact that like our visions are very much aligned. It's exactly like forwards on point. But how we want to get there and like what exactly, you know, the route. Like that obviously we have like contradictory ideas sometimes or like and then it's just about like, you know, give it a try, whatever works, works. So it's good to have like different opinions on like getting things done. But ultimately the vision is the same and that's literally what matters most. Yeah, where where do you see it sort of going? How's the is it What's the 
the next five years? What, what do you what do you think it's going to be? I think in terms of vision, it's very simple. You have your your Instagram for photos, you have TikTok for videos, you have Spotify for all things audio. But when it comes to quick text content, there is absolutely nothing, especially at a time when every second person has a newsletter or a podcast. So we want Vault to be the go-to app for every Gen Z, millennial, boomer. Gen X, I'm not a boomer, I, but I appreciate that. Yeah, so and, that's the vision. And what, what's, I didn't notice what the business model was. Is what's the, how, do you, how do you make money? No, we haven't started monetizing yet, but okay. we're actually in the process of it. Similar to a newsletter, we're going to be doing sponsored content. So, you know, we already have articles like Budweiser's coming out with a zero calorie beer. It's just like, yes, for it, you'll do more of that, you know. It's content people anyway want to read. And so sponsored content, another thing would be affiliate links. So like I said, every article has a little check it out. So if we talk about any product that's, you know, really cool, really unique, we can have a little link out to like buy it. So any kind of, or any kind of tickets even, you know, like any concert or any cool event, ticket sales, and then also like algorithm bumps. So if you are a major publisher and you want to get in front of X demographic, top five swipes, we can do do that for you. Just pay us. So a bunch of different ways. And we're just getting started with that. Cool. Wow. Yeah. And it's a tough, tough business model to kind of get right, I think newsletters have gotten it somewhat right premium subscriptions you know like there's a lot of different ones it's interesting you mentioned about events and shows and stuff i i interviewed a founder of with the band which was a really cool idea i think she's actually still doing it basically it was an app to help bands with their fans like their fan clubs and stuff got it and it was just there was there was there was this one and then there was another one. I don't what was the name of it. it was, I don't remember the name of it. But this with the band idea was like, hey, you're a band. You have a fan base. You have a fan club. We can help you with that. So you don't have to worry about it. meetups and the whole thing. And it was just such a, I think it was just so, she was from Nashville, Tennessee, which is huge, huge amount of music and stuff. But it was just this idea that that was very valuable to a band. Even a band that wasn't as well known. Because yeah. People wanted the interaction. They wanted the experience. They wanted to know the news. Like there was a, there was a, like a connection. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if there's a way that that works in like to, like to your point about creators and having, yeah, you have your newsletter, but it, I don't know. Is there a way to interact with things or is it like, it's for now, okay. yeah, okay. we're going to include like tools for you to engage with it. So we already have things like, you know, boosting your content, like liking your content. So if you like any kind of article, you can just keep liking it. But we'll soon come up with like, you know, comments and like discussion channels. So if you say like tech or some kind of different category, you can talk to other like-minded people about it, about anything that's going on in that particular time. So that would be interesting. Yeah. I mean, more and more, I mean, you've got discord servers, you got Reddit, you know, people are, do want that interaction. There's Mastodon or however many, again, not as many as there are MarTech tools in the world. (laughs) There's still a lot. There's a lot. Yeah. I think another interesting thing is like we use, we also have poll. So Mm. it's also really interesting to see how people are reacting to different news stories and just like trends. So we poll anything, like even if it's something about the Oscars, like who won or like, you know, any kind of policy that's going around. So it's very easy and interesting to see what everybody else has voted on because you can't see the results unless you vote. 
So everybody just really curious to see that. So we have at least like two polls a day and it's just really interesting. And I'm, I'm assuming most of the people are like consumers. It's just general news. I mean, not a lot of B2B stuff yet, or is it plans no. for that? Or no? Not for now. We'll see what's next. But for now, it's just about growth and getting in front of as many people. So far, I'm pretty much growing organically, but we really need oh. to you know, push okay. the puck on that. What are some of your best organic channels? Is it, how do you get the word out? Uh, word of mouth. And then also through communities. So, for example, one of our partnerships with Indie Hackers has done really well. So they have a newsletter that goes out to the tech community like a couple of times a week. And so all of the tech news is from Valve. So when you click on any tech news oh. article, it's directed to Valve. And so people get a feel for that, you know, that the web app, which basically mimics the real thing. And so it's an easy way for so many people to just come across it. And yeah, I think that's been one of the really biggest growth factors. And another thing is just like, word of mouth. We're just getting started with the referral engine too. So you refer friends, you win more. And we're really excited about that. Have you have you heard of the Hustle newsletter? Yeah. So Sam Parr, before, he, he ran it before he sold it to Hubs. Their model was pretty cool. He 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 was in San Francisco. I actually got to meet him a couple of times. And I quote, he's actually in the book, the Entrepreneur Ethos book. Got to quote him. And uh, the funny thing, yeah, he had the referral engine for him was was pretty powerful. Like share yeah. this with a friend, earn points. That's a point where I had socks and a t-shirt and a hat. I'm just like, yay, because you get in early on that stuff. It's like yeah. anything. Like first mover matters. Like yeah. constantly, you know? And yeah. I just thought it was really, really fascinating because now and he's not doing that anymore. There's another one called Trends, which is the business side of it, where it's like really in-depth research, et cetera. And it seemed like all of those referral, word of mouth, very powerful. He would do ads too. Like he would say like, yeah, we do some ads and stuff, but like sharing the newsletter, you know, like was like one of the most powerful ones because like, hey, check it out. And it's like the dark social, they call it, where, uh, you know, you talk to your buddies and you're like, hey, man, you gotta check this out. Exactly. And that's the kind of growth when people are referring product. Yeah. It automatically comes with like, you know, from your friends. So you trust that person, you trust their choices and their preferences. So automatically you're gonna be like, oh, okay, well, I'm definitely gonna check it out versus like a random ad that you see. You know, that seems more pushy. Yeah. So yeah, another thing we do is also like collaborations with creators. That's something more recent. We noticed that initially when a lot of people were just like discovering us, like I think initially we sent out a lot of emails. So, you know, like tech YouTube tech bloggers, like, hey, check out this app. It's new, stuff like that. And obviously they're on the lookout for something, you know, new and interesting. And so I think one person started, you know, posting about us on YouTube. And then suddenly there was a whole domino effect where a lot of people started posting about us. Yeah. And, and we saw a lot of downloads from like people all over the world. Right now, like according to our metrics, we have people from 150 countries, which is wild. Oh, wow. And it's all credited towards like, you know, YouTube, wow. like TikTok kind of. Yeah. yeah. Isn't it amazing how people find you? It's just sometimes it's just so yeah. rare. We get emails from like random different parts of the world, like in Africa, Singapore, different places. And we're just like, wow, we're so thrilled that you're reading our content. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's a couple of times where I'll get like a cold email from someone like somewhere like, yeah, I read this article on one of the blogs, whatever I did. I'm like, how the heck did you find that? It's just so, you know, esoterically, you know, one thing, but it's the power of the internet. I think the power of networks, you know, it's like a real, it, it's interesting because 
you know, in terms of distribution of media, getting people to know, like, and trust you, even with, I mean, general business, right, is all about distribution and, and getting people to care about what you do. Like building the product, democratize. I honestly, not that hard. Not saying it's not hard, but pretty much anyone can do it. If, you know, although doing it right, it's hard. But it's distribution. It's like getting people to even pay attention. It's so hard. I agree. You know? And I think one of the biggest mistakes we made, and it's like a massive tip I give every other person who's selling their own thing, is that don't wait for your product to be built for mm. your product marketing. Get mm. on it immediately. No one's going to steal your idea. No one's yeah. going to make the product before you. Just like get on it, you know, quickly. Yeah, we started marketing only after the product was done. And we were really late. So... If you start initially, you already have like an audience cheering for you. You know, you can even like reach out to them for feedback and get their thoughts before the product even goes live. So that would have been really helpful for us. No, that's actually a really good point. I, that also applies to books. I've written a bunch of books. The two most successful books were the ones that took me the least amount of time to write. They're the shortest. And they're what people wanted to read. So, and and the only reason I knew this, did this, was I took some class about writing ebooks or whatever. And I was just like, oh, let's try this out. But you're right. It was like before I, before I wrote it, before I, did, I like gave a class, blogged about it, got people interested, you know, reached out to folks. It was like a process where they were in on, well, what do you want to know? I'll tell you. You know what I mean? That's a really good point. I, I think you're, you know what? That's spot on. Not a lot of people start the marketing outreach. They usually do it after they have a product. I don't know. I never thought of it down. And I like, I like this whole community idea too. I don't think enough entrepreneurs, maybe they do that now. They try to create their own community, which is fine. It's just hard. Again, like, getting, right. yeah. But it's also hard. It's hard to do right. I mean, how many, I, I, I don't know if I'm, I'm not a community addict, so to speak. Yeah. But I, you know, I drop in on a bunch of these. And the yeah. ones that are done well, like it's super hard, like the people that are running them and the ones that you could just tell they're just check it, you know, like checking a box. It's not very I think but the, the big is Emily Weiss when she started a newsletter first into the Gloss and then she started building a community. And then from that community, she built Glossier, which is more like a billion dollar company now. So I think that is literally was like the first signal of like, you know, community is so important. And then now everybody has a newsletter for that. And so you're trying to keep in touch with all of your people who are cheering on for you, you know, like getting their thoughts, staying relevant and in front of them all of the time. So reminding them like, hey, I exist, like, you know, like come hang out with us. So I think that's important. Yeah. 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 Like you said, there's so many people have newsletters, so many people have lots of different things. So, well, Priyanka, this has been such a great conversation. Thank you so much for being on the show. This is Thank uh, you for having me. I definitely think the future somewhere, somehow, actually, I should, I should introduce you to my friend, Pete, who runs the Neuron Daily. It's an AI newsletter. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's another newsletter, but growing like a weed. It would be interesting to see his take on this because, you know, again, getting noticed, getting distribution is so important. Thanks again that. for your time. Good luck. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did creating it. My hope is that you learned something that can make you a little bit better. If you enjoyed the podcast, please do share it with friends and review it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also join my email list by visiting theentrepreneurethos.com to get my thoughts on what I'm doing to get better, as well as what I'm working on. 
You can also pick up my book, The Entrepreneur Ethos, if you want to learn the traits, values, and beliefs that I think we need to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient entrepreneur and, frankly, world community. Feel free to follow me on Twitter at The Daily MBA and let me know if you have any questions or recommendations for a guest you'd like me to talk to. Also, drop me a note if you try anything we talked about on this or any other episode. I'd love to hear what's working for you. Until next time, keep getting better. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.